0: Hey everyone, this is Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. We are talking about entrepreneurship, launching businesses, the systems that you need to be successful, working from the road, travel, travel hacks, and all things in between. Welcome to the traveling entrepreneur. Episode one, Campbell Hawk. Campbell, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm really excited to like hear your story and learn a lot from you because you have a lot to offer. So thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you today.
0: So before we get started, because I have a lot of questions, but before we get started, if you could just tell everyone what it is you do and a little bit about like your background.
1: Okay, cool. So Hi, I'm Campbell Hawk. I am a marketing manager specializing in email marketing, social media, content management, you name it, I can do it. And I have been traveling, honestly, probably since out the womb. I come from a pretty privileged and wonderful background and I'm extremely fortunate to have been able to travel when I was young. And then I went to college on the opposite side of the country from my family and studied abroad and then I said, how can I do this more often? And after I graduated college, I moved to India working for a data analytics consulting firm wow. and it up. And I went for a full year and a half nomadic around central and South America uh, by myself working full-time and just kind of stayed at it. Taking a couple of breaks here and there. I've had a couple of leases, but not many. <laughs> yeah. That's really my background. Okay. And uh, how did you
0: get into going from working with people in India to working for yourself? Like what was that journey? Yeah.
1: So it's a couple different steps. So I was working for a pretty large consulting firm in India and I was like, Oh, I love living abroad. I love the people I'm meeting, the food I'm eating. I'm getting to do cool new things. And from there, that company moved me to Austin, Texas, the new city for me. I hadn't lived in Texas before. I fell in love with the city. Again, the food, this is going to be a big theme. I'm a big eater. Right. as I'm sure most travelers are. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I went from that company and I joined a travel company, Scott's Sheep Flights. And this is when I made the leap to go remote. And this is a big step because going remote, I was, let's see, I was just barely 22 years old at this point.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So early,
1: very young. I graduated college early. So when I moved to India, I was like a month into being 21. <laughs> yeah. So went fully remote, started working for Scotch Street flights, and I got the very like core knowledge of the travel industry and how to make it sustainable. And from Scotch Street flights, a couple years after that, that's when I started doing my own thing, doing consulting, freelancing, just making it happen so I could travel.
0: That's awesome. And now you're doing something with beer, yes?
1: Yes. And now I run a craft beer blog and I've got a website where I do reviews and guides and I'm trying to make craft beer approachable for people that are not into craft beer. Mm-hmm. I I found oftentimes when I go into a brewery, I am being told to try the sours or like the fruity sweet beer. And there's a bit of a bias around who drinks what, fears. And I think it's a little Mm. ridiculous. So that's what I do for fun mostly, but nice brings me around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when you were first getting started and launching and going remote, what, what did the process look like in terms of what kind of systems did you set up? What, what were the things you learned at the beginning that now would be the first thing you tell someone to do?
1: Get a PO box. You need a place for all (laughs) of your mail to go, (laughs) whether that's a PO box or a family member or a friend you can trust, and that will stick around, you need somewhere for all your mail. And you're still going to need an address for your license, your call, like your debit cards, credit cards, you need a mailing address, right? It's important. And it's underrated for full-time travel. And that's even if you're doing like van lifeing around the States, you still need an address.
0: Does a PO box work for a driver's license?
1: Uh, No. So I've heard a couple ways to do it. There are services that offer a mailing address for licenses. Mm. I heard a story of a guy who's a van lifer and he, all he did was send two pieces of mail with permission to like a Planet Fitness he was a part of. Mm. And he was able to use those pieces of mail and use that address to get a license and Planet Fitness didn't care. That is like you shouldn't do that, but I'm not saying don't do it. <laughs> right, it's a, it's a possible
0: thing some people could maybe choose to do if they elected. You didn't hear it from me. <laughs> right, <laughs> And yeah. and now you're completely remote, you're on the road, so you've been in the last five months doing, what have you been doing?
1: Right, so I am currently in Seattle. We're taking a bit of a pause while coronavirus is kind of still a thing until we can get our vaccines. We're staying in Seattle, but we just got back from a five month road trip across the entire U S we went to 31 States and two provinces in Canada for five months. And it's exhausting and fun. And we camped the whole way through. We were not in the like stereotypical van or RV. Uh-huh. We were in a Honda Accord, uh, like 2000 and I want to say six. Mm-hmm. So bit of a beater traveling all around staying for free on bureau of land management land and national forests and all safely and socially distance and it was awesome
0: that's we're gonna get into travel like cheap travel hacks and stuff well definitely interested in learning about that were you at this time also running the marketing stuff that you're doing were you doing that as well while you're camping
1: Yeah, so it's not impossible to find Wi-Fi and through there are cell boosters you can get that hook up to your phone and boost your cell, get a data hotspot for Wi-Fi. You can do it on the road, and there are certain apps you can use that help you find campsites that have Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. A couple different things, like Campendium is a really great one. A very specific one, but it doesn't have to be used for this purpose, is the Van Life app. There's Free Roam, The Dirt. There's a handful of apps that, like, they talk about, oh, we find campsites. But under there, you're like, oh, I can find Wi-Fi. Ah, yes. The important, important part of camping. <laughs> very is
0: important. A, what does a day in the life look like when you're fully remote and you're also full time working for yourself?
1: Oh. Yeah, I start the- my day almost the exact same no matter where I am, <laughs> and that's gonna be wake up. I roll out of bed fairly late. I love my sleep. I get a cup of chai. I don't do coffee. I take some like quiet breathing time with my chai, and then I hop on my phone and figure out where am I gonna work from sans pandemic i am typically out of a brewery or a coffee shop yes it is on brand with my craft brewery blog however pre-blog i almost always worked out of breweries they have incredible wi-fi and no one else is on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) unlike cafes and coffee shops where you're competing for the best wi-fi you don't have to at a brewery
0: that's awesome (laughs) little tip (laughs) yeah good to know I've I've occasionally attempted to have like a glass of wine a glass of beer while I've been working like in coffee shops that have that and it just I can't do it I've discovered like oh I'll just have the one and then all of my focus is out the door so that would be very dangerous for me (laughs) but other people
1: it takes a minute and you kind of definitely have to put on bigger blinders of like I'm not engaging in conversation this is still my work time Mm -hmm. I keep it to like a low ABV where I'm like, okay, max 4% is all I'm going to do until 5 p.m. 5 p.m. I'll go up to a bigger drink. That is (laughs) smart. (laughs) You got to set rules. And honestly, I think working remotely in general, whether you're traveling, whether you're at home in a pandemic, you have to set those rules and boundaries for yourself because no one else will. I always joke when you're out partying in Europe and when you're leaving a club, it could be four or five, 6 a.m., in the States, we force you home at two. And like, sometimes you need it. <laughs> I yeah. need the nanny state to send me home.
0: <laughs> right. How are you as a, as a boss for yourself? Are you generally a pretty lenient boss? Are you a very strict boss? I know you have boundaries and rules and stuff, but where do you fall in general?
1: It depends on the day. So I kind of give myself a little more wiggle room on say Mondays and I work a lot of Sundays. Hmm. And so my work, week actually is typically Sunday to Thursday, Friday and a half or so. And then I'll take like Friday afternoons, Saturdays off. I find it, it's just a little more easy to be a part of society that way. Mm -hmm. Sundays I've never really taken as a relaxing day anyway. I'm always having to do housework or sightsee or wherever I may be. And so I've just taken Sunday as a work day. I'm a fairly strict boss to myself, but that's how I find it to be sustainable. <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of have to be. I mean,
0: you, it's good to find that flexibility and give yourself the, the breaks. But if you can't rein yourself in, like you cannot work for yourself.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you can't tell yourself, hey, I have these five things on my to-do list. Yes, it's 8 p.m. and I want to watch a show on Netflix. If you only have a couple of them done, you kind of need to stay on it or else you'll just continue to let it slide. Yeah. Yeah. I learned this the hard way
0: when I first started out.
1: I think you all kind of do. Like I definitely did as well. And especially when I was traveling and learning how to work remotely, there's definitely days where I'm like, well, I want to see the Panama Canal today. Yeah, for sure. But I also still have this work I need to do. How can I do both in a way that's beneficial, both to my team I was working with, myself and my work goals Mm -hmm. and my travel goals? How do I balance that? It took yeah. my laptop to the canal is what I did. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole reason most people elect to
0: work for themselves is to have that flexibility, have that freedom. And if you're not giving yourself, if you're not going to go see the Panama Canal, why, <laughs> what's the point of being remote?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And for me, taking my laptop to the canal, working from the canal, that was, I think, one of the most memorable work mm-hmm. days I think I've ever had. Yeah. It was incredible. First off, it's a canal. You're just seeing boats go through. I'm from Seattle. I see that most days anyways. Yeah. <laughs> like, now just you not can big say.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's not, I don't know that people think like you do your, your work on the beach in the sand. It's like, not, no, that's really messy. You're going to get sand in your keys. It's
1: so that's messy. Not i, tried.
0: <laughs> I Yeah, can't. but <laughs> but you might get some work done on a balcony somewhere or in a little hostel somewhere or yeah,
1: exactly. It's a little grittier than I think a lot of people try to glorify it too, yeah. where like you may be on sitting on a box with your computer on another box when you're in between spots and you just happen to get quick Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's, it's gritty and it's not always pretty and glamorous and you're not wearing makeup and these flowy dresses that you see on Instagram. As much as I would love to live that life, I <laughs> <you> can't. <laughs> yeah, not
0: sustainably or not without
1: a no, lot. Not at of- all. Me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about travel hacks and cheap travel. And cause I just have, I mean, I could ask you a million questions, I won't, but how do you, what are your best tips for finding
1: cheap travel? Be flexible. I find most people think about flights and cheap flights backwards, where they say, oh man, I really want to go to Barcelona this summer. And right there, you're already looking at a $1,500 flight round trip. Mm -hmm. No matter where you are, you're lucky if it's $1,500. You're looking at peak travel times, a hot destination that's like very sought after. It's going to be expensive if you're already kind of thinking so close-mindedly. So be flexible. Be flexible when you're looking to travel, where you're going to, where you're going out of. I think it's really important just kind of stay on your toes. So I like to set my budget first. So for example, a lot of my travel hasn't been during times I have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And that's just the fact of the matter. I'm fairly young. I, I don't have an allowance, that kind of thing. So set a budget. I want to say, okay, in the total trip, I'm going to spend X amount for my flight. It's going to be Y amount. Typically, I'm looking to fly no more than $300 round trip, Mm -hmm. whether to Europe, Central South America, Asia, you're going to have to push up to probably 500. It's still great. Which is still great. It's still a good deal. I get super data where I'm like, $500 (laughs) is so expensive. Right. Still (laughs) amazing
0: comparing to regular flight prices.
1: Exactly. And so I say about, okay, $300 round trip. Ideally, I'd love to fly out of my home airport, but I'd be comfortable looking to drive within three hours. Mm -hmm. For example, from Seattle, you're going to also be looking at like Portland airport, the Vancouver, Canada airport, Mm -hmm. seeing what you can do out of that bubble. For airports where you're, say, in Denver, you don't really have as much of a bubble, but you are in a great airport where there's Frontier Airlines and you can get a $30 flight round trip to, say, Las Vegas. And from Vegas, you can get a flight for $150 to Mexico, or oh, if okay. not less. That's and a so good point. You add the two round trip flights together and it's still going to be cheaper. And if you plan your travel correctly, maybe you get a day in Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to kind of hack it, especially if you're in more of a remote kind of place, whether you're in North Dakota or you're in Utah, you can kind of still get cheap flights if you're a little more flexible with where yeah. you're going out of. Now, there's peak travel times and that summer, which you're looking at roughly mid-May through end of August, beginning of September. And then there's winter time travels you're looking at. For U.S., you're going to include all the way from like end of November, including Thanksgiving,
0: mm-hmm.
1: through that like first week in January. And that's, of course, Thanksgiving for U.S. citizens, Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, everything thrown in there. Yeah. And it's going to be expensive. If you're willing to have a more expensive flight, yeah, do it. Go ahead. But if you're looking for cheap f- travel, cheap flights, don't do it. Right. You're excursions when you're there, your meals, everything will be more expensive. Yeah. Something and people find. forget that adds up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even accommodation is going to be more expensive.
0: Yeah. Which arguably all the other stuff, the food and the and the experiences are the most important part. So you want to make sure you can have as many of those as possible.
1: Exactly. And you can do more if you're flying for cheaper. Yeah. So I typically recommend looking to fly between like mid end of January and roughly end of April. Mm-hmm. That's going to be like your peak travel, like springtime. And then there's September through like beginning, middle of November. Good that's going to gonna know. be like your peak fall time.
0: Yeah. That's like, lovely to know.
1: It And it works. It works wherever you're going. I would also make sure if you've got your heart set on, let's say India, you're looking at the local holidays as well. Yeah. So the Diwali, that's going to bump your price up as well. So make sure to check your local price or your local holidays. So if you're going to Germany in October, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I'll be fine. <laughs> then Oktoberfest. Right. Yeah, that's such November a good point. September, beginning of October.
0: Yeah, I don't think I would have. I mean, I probably would have gotten around to thinking about that. But my head goes to, okay, should I be checking for hurricanes? Is
1: this going to be a bad time to be there for? Which know? is also really important. Is it monsoon season? I went to Panama for $130 round trip. And then I get there. I'm like, oh word, it's raining a full foot a day.
0: (laughs) Well, but yeah, that again is part of the experience. Now you've been in a monsoon. Exactly. You wear your flip-flops and you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You you mentioned a while, a little bit ago, that you had traveled kind of solo
1: in India, right? So I traveled solo in India. India, I was actually living full-time. I was there for about six months. And then... From there, I did trips to Cambodia and to the Maldives, and then I did a ton of solo travel from Mexico, Panama, Colombia, the Netherlands, Scotland, you name it, I've probably been. I travel more alone than I do with other people.
0: So what are you, there's a lot, I'm in a lot of travel groups and and things on Facebook and whatnot, and there's a lot of talk about women traveling alone, you know, safety and- All the time. Yeah, so what is your sort of travel philosophy when it comes to being a solo traveler? What, what are your tips? What's your insight? What would you say about that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's definitely a hot topic. Now, in travel groups, I take everything with a grain of salt. Good general rule <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> it's important to remember that people operate out of fear. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking the world is a scary place because it's unknown, Mm -hmm. Most times people say Mexico's dangerous for anyone, or if you're a woman alone, it's dangerous. Well, how do they know that? Are they operating out of a place of knowledge, experience? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes not. Every now and then, yes. More often than not, they're not. I think my first eye-opening experience was when I went to Cambodia. I had heard a lot of really scary things people were very concerned for me to go. And then I got there and I felt so incredibly safe Mm -hmm. and welcomed and comfortable. I really, I not a single minute of, Ooh, that's uncomfy. I mean, even the tuk-tuk driver offering for me to have a ride on his tuk-tuk for free was done in a way that made me feel less uncomfortable than any experience in the U S or even in India, which mm-hmm. was a little more uncomfortable as a woman by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And What
0: about, uh, the other side of traveling alone, which is just, how do you stay sane? How do you make friends? How do you,
1: do you tend to socialize when you travel? Like I do what? all the time. So I'm a very social person. I've made friends everywhere. I've gone my Facebook, Instagram, like friends follows list are wildly diverse. Cause it's mm-hmm. just people from all different walks of life from all over the world. I'll strike up a conversation with anyone. I, I'll sit down at a bar by myself and strike up a conversation with the bartender. And then be like, yo, when are you getting off? You want to like go hang out? I've heard of this cool bar. I stay in a lot of hostels when I travel by myself mm-hmm. and they're not for everyone, but if you like meeting people, if you want to socialize, it's a really great place to start.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So full-time travel, it's absolutely exhausting to be in hostels. Even for a long weekend, it can be exhausting to be in a hostel. What about it is exhausting to be? There's a party culture that comes in most hostels. Mm -hmm. Really late nights, you'll have noisy roommates. It's a lot, especially if you're trying to work the next day as well. You can't always do it. So I would often stay for like a week in a hostel and then get a one-bedroom Airbnb apartment for like a month or three weeks or so afterwards. Kind of do like one week on three weeks off. Okay, yeah. And it's so I'd meet people, make friends, get to know people in the hostel, and uh-huh. then go live by myself and keep up the friendships. That's brilliant.
0: It was so good. It's like good. approaching housing, not as a functional housing, but approaching yeah. it as like, I'm gonna use this opportunity
1: to build my circle. That's really smart. Exactly, and I find a lot of times, as long as the workers of the hostel are hired locally, they're locals, you get a lot of good insider tips of where to eat, where to grocery shop, where to go and see what's actually important and create a bit of a community with the workers mm-hmm. that I have found really beneficial.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I've, I've never actually stayed in a hostel just because by the time I started traveling really seriously, I was married. And so we were getting, you know, Airbnbs and whatnot, but this is you making me You single
1: rooms in hostels too. Oh, really? So a lot of hostels these days, because they're trying to cater to everyone, they'll create a full like hotel experience in a hostel. So if you have a significant other, you can have your own private space and still have a community aspect. Do you think you still get that community? Yes, because oftentimes the rooms are only for sleeping. Ah, uh, okay. And so most of the community is going to happen in the lobby, wherever people are eating. So oftentimes there's a kitchen space. There's oftentimes maybe a pool if it's a warmer climate. Maybe there's a pool table. So if people are playing like billiards, that's where the community really happens. So you can still do that. Just don't hang out in your room. Yeah.
0: yeah. Good, good rule. <laughs> of, that's just a general if you're traveling. I want exactly. to spend as little time as possible in the place that
1: I'm staying. Like
0: exactly. I'm there
1: to experience life. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's important to know with hostels, they're not all created equally at all. Mm -hmm. There are some really dirty, grungy ones. And then there's some really posh, beautiful, like hipster, beautifully decorated ones. So there's a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I kind of balance between like the really nice posh ones and like kind of the middle of the road, like maybe don't wear just bare feet all around.
0: (laughs) Where do you search for accommodations when you're traveling? And what are the like what would you consider like a red flag on a website or what are you searching for when you're looking for places to stay?
1: So I do a couple different things. I uh, Typically for hostels, I use Hostel World. I always read reviews and whatnot. I look for pictures. Typically I'd like to see at least more than 10 pictures. Come on, I mean, this is your bread and butter of a business. You can't post 10 pictures of your business. Yeah. And a red flag for me is anywhere bedbugs. If somebody two years ago mentioned bedbugs, I'm not staying there. Yeah. It's just a rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah, great. Other than that, I stay pretty flexible. Of course, I'm looking for Wi-Fi. Um, a lot of hostels and even a lot of restaurant or, um, hotels will offer free breakfast. Mm-hmm. I love a free breakfast. It helps you with your budget. Typically, they're going to cost the same as a normal hostel or hotel. So that's something big I typically look for, just to take it off my mind, even if I want to get my own like fruits and yogurts and whatnot for breakfast. Yeah, like the option.
0: Yeah, give yourself the choice if it's the last day of your trip and you're out of money and you have food for the morning. <laughs> exactly.
1: So I have a few, I have
0: sort of like rapid fire questions for you. Cool. Um, but before that, I have a, one more question because I, this is not on my rapid fire, but <laughs> because we haven't discussed it too much, but what are a few of the beers that I should be trying?
1: Ooh, ooh. Okay, so it totally depends on what your, what your taste is. It's important. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to recommend specific beers, but I'm going to re- recommend like how to go about getting good beer. Excellent. So that way it's a little more applicable to everyone, no matter what time you're listening to this, go to your local breweries. Uh-huh. Now I would go onto their Instagram, go on to just Google maps and look up where your closest breweries are. See what the reviews are. Do the, is the aesthetic something you feel like you'd feel comfortable in? I like a, like a warehouse kind of brewery where it feels a little industrial. Some people like a more like restaurant feel in a brewery. Find a place where you think you'd feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Go to the brewery, talk to the bartender, try to not talk to like a waitstaff, some like waiter. They -hmm. don't necessarily always know as much as they would as a bartender or a brewer. Talk to a brewer or a bartender and ask them, what is the back house drinking and what's your favorite? Oh, okay. The people brewing the beer have their favorites that you know it's been a long day they're cleaning out the tubs what are they drinking at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that's crucial because you know it's going to be good right it's going to be easy it's probably going to be a little crisp that'll be a good beer so those are my first questions And then the bartender asking them what they've been drinking, one, it makes them feel better of like, oh, what about me? (laughs) And two, it will often talk back with like more of a, here's what people are liking, Uh which is also really crucial. Right. And they
0: might also just, they also might just say, well, here's some samples.
1: Yes. And in a normal non-pandemic time, (laughs) it is extremely normal to be able to sample beers and you'll get like a one or two ounce pour, and you can sample whatever, but that's pre-pandemic. Right, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I I think it will come back once we are dining normally again. I really yeah. do. I think it's pretty crucial. It's better for a brewery to have you taste a sip or two of a beer than to sell you a shitty beer. Yeah, or a beer that you don't enjoy.
0: Right. Well, even just for the experience, if it's not if it's not just about the beer, like they just want to provide you with a good customer experience so you feel bonded and you
1: come back and yeah so exactly and it may be that you just are interested in a beer and the bartender's like you gotta at least try it yeah you it.
0: yeah I think that's how I got turned on to sours somebody had me try a sour and I was like I'm not gonna like this and now I do so yeah. I love a sour gotta give it a shot what I was about- gonna
1: say it's so funny when you go in and like I'm being judged because I'm a young woman in a brewery and they're like well you probably like this sour. I'm like, okay, yes, I absolutely would. <laughs> what about this one? <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. I am
0: a, I oscillate between like a sour. I really like a good stout or a wheat beer. I don't, I'm, I'm going to get crucified online for this. I don't like IPAs and I'm from Portland and I should like nice. IPAs, but you know, I just, there's two, I can't handle the hops. Like
1: everything, there's trends. IPAs are done and I know I will also get crucified I'm here for it put me up on the cross I'm over it uh-huh. I'm over it I'm, I like an IPA I like a good IPA I like a Pacific Northwest style better than a New England but like there's a time and a place and you can only do so much and oftentimes it's overdone and mm-hmm. it's uncreative and tired much like travel locations when they are over touristed
0: yes true I would also like to use this time to say that I am very much over any kind of Halloween beer. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't, (laughs) I don't
0: understand why pumpkin beer and I love anything, Halloween, pumpkin, holiday, like all of it, pumpkin beer to me is like, it's such an abomination. That's so funny. How do you feel about like a winter ale? Every once in a while, I'll like one, but I don't really, I'm not as big. I don't really like any kind of. Holiday themed cool. beers in general. At least you're
1: consistent.
0: That's true. I mean, it's just for for some reason, pumpkin specifically
1: <laughs> for me. Now maybe you if know, it was like a maple, like a it's maple not uncommon. Beer, it's I find a lot nostalgic. of people find pumpkin anything pretty polarizing. Yeah, that's true. I'm just usually on the other side of that argument. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's all about taste. You know for me I I don't feel need to go to a lot of these big heavily touristed locations because it's not my thing I would much rather go to some super sleepy little town where no one speaks English and I am struggling to get something off the menu Mm -hmm. than to be around 20 other American families yeah what's your favorite place you've been great question okay so I don't really have a favorite place I've been because I find every place I've ever been has had an extremely unique experience. Yeah. With that said, I did get, I like to say stuck. I got stuck in Playa, Playa Vinal, Panama. And this is a small coastal surfing village off the west coast of Panama, about like two, three hours from Panama City. And I say I got stuck there because I spent a week there and I said, oh yeah, I don't want to leave. And I extended my trip. I extended my stay there and I just didn't, I just stayed a little longer and it was so worth it. I'm so glad I did. That was a really lovely stay, but it wasn't There wasn't anything stand out about it specifically. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a beautiful disaster of everything where the weather made it so I didn't really want to go back into the city. The, it was kind of a quiet town so I could get to know it a little better. I was really liking all the different other tourists that I was meeting and the locals. I just liked the experience overall. Yeah. I love the Maldives, but that's like a classic how could you go the Maldives and not like it? Right. (laughs) Speaking of touristy. Exactly, exactly. Very touristy. Um I was there by myself, which is not common. The Maldives, much like the Seychelles is a honeymoon destination. Right. You get people celebrating their anniversaries and their honeymoons and that's about it. So yeah. for me as a solo woman to show up, they automatically assumed I was like a broken-hearted somebody yeah. left at the altar. <laughs> I was treated very well. I was in <laughs>
0: Would have played that up so badly. Oh, it's terrible. I desperately need you know I definitely did I picture. definitely
1: did. I was getting free wine. I had the white staff waiting on me beck and call. like they were so kind. So like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say that's kind of my top. However, I love Amsterdam. Every time I've ever been to Amsterdam, I get to the city and I think, this is so livable. Yes, it's livable. You can look around Amsterdam and think, I can make a life here. Whether it's biking down the street and getting almost clipped by another biker, or you go into a grocery store and you're picking up stuff at the market, it just feels so
0: good. So good. I I say yes, no, as if I've been to Amsterdam and I have not. But
1: you know the feeling, I'm sure.
0: The reason I say that is because I, a long time ago, watched House Hunters episode, House Hunters International. I love Uh, the show. Oh, so great and it was in Amsterdam and all I could think the whole time was like my god this would be a cool place to live like it's just so comfortable and walkable and friendly and like yeah and are fun they're yeah. fun
1: people they're here for a good time you know they're the work hard play hard kind of people right. and I'm in I'm in yeah yeah those are my people <laughs> and like Okay, I'm not as tall like as say a Dutch or a Danish person, but like I'm fairly tall. <laughs> yeah, like I, I totally fit. I'm
0: from here. Yes, I blend in. Awesome. Okay, so have some questions for you. Okay. And don't, don't think too hard about them. Cool. I'm on and it. Some I already know because we've talked about them. Okay. <laughs> Are you an aisle or a window seat on the airplane?
1: I'm an aisle seat. Me
0: too. Okay.
1: I I like to be able to go to the bathroom when I want to, and you're the first off when you're getting off. Yeah.
0: True. Exactly. And I don't mind waiting for other people. Like if you want to get out of the window seat, that's fine. Yeah, totally.
1: I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hostel Airbnb or hotel? I am team hostel Airbnb. If I'm with a small group of friends or significant other, and then I'm Airbnb once I'm tired at the hostel. Right. Okay. So if money were no object, where would be your dream destination? Oh, I love this. And okay. and,
0: you, and it's not a $300 flight. <laughs>
1: What? (laughs) I could never. I really want to spend some quality time in the continent of Africa, whether Mm -hmm. it's Namibia or Kenya, South Africa. I'm pretty equal opportunist, but I would like to spend some quality time really just immersing myself in the different cultures and the different languages and foods. I want to spend some time there. And I know it's not going to be cheap to get there. Probably not, but... (laughs) You can, fig- you can figure it out if anyone can
0: you will find a decent oh I'll find a way
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay where when when COVID is
1: over your next vacation or Ooh, destination okay. so when COVID hit my boyfriend and I were going to be moving to South America mm. and we are going to do about a month in each different uh, country and kind of extend the trips kind of like where we saw fit so if we really liked Peru we'd extend the month to further and we plan on doing it again or doing it what well, yeah now, later
0: <laughs> eventually <Still fun laughs> making it
1: happen so i doubt it'll be the next place we vacation or travel to due the fact that i don't see it being possible for at least another year
0: mm-hmm.
1: just realistically yeah and so that's still on the radar however i see like some domestic trips maybe New Orleans. Once things start to open up in the U.S. and things are a little more safe here, we're vaccinated, ready to go. We can do it safely both for the people in the destination and for us and for the people around us. I'm seeing a lot of more domestic stuff. Maybe even like if the border ever opens up, we can go to Canada or we can go down to Mexico and keep it a little more local Mm -hmm. versus oh, I'm going to be irresponsible and selfish and just bop down to a third world country. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> right? I, uh, for a while. A little more self-respect and respect for the culture.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so it, when you're working, if you have to do an early morning or a late night work session, which of those would you choose?
1: Okay, I've definitely had to do both. Uh-huh. I I guess it kind of depends on like how early and how late. I'm... Whatever your normal wake up time, I'd say like
0: two hours before that.
1: <laughs> I'm generally team early morning, mm-hmm. which is funny because I also did say on this podcast, I love sleeping in, but I would much rather wake up extra early, crank my workout and then have the evening afternoon to enjoy myself, whether I'm at home, I'm on the road, wherever I'd rather that time.
0: Okay. What is one tool or app or something that you need to be able to effectively stay remote?
1: Oh man. Okay. I like Asana to track all of my work as Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, as a business person, staying on track of your goals and your projects is crucial. I also like Toggle. Mm -hmm. Toggle tracks your time. That's really important if you're freelancing. I also really like to track my time to kind of get a better understanding of how long different tasks take Mm -hmm. because data is important. And if you don't track your data, what are you doing? Right. But that's also just me living in the 21st century, really embracing it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. What's something that you can't
1: travel without and it can't be your phone? Mm, Yeah, I can travel without my phone. Honestly, it's pretty, yes, it's necessary, but I can go without it this is tough. If I'm in hostels, you need earplugs Mm -hmm. just in case every now and then you get a bad hostel experience where somebody's in your room and you don't want to hear them, whether it's a snore or some people canoodling, you don't need it. You don't need it. So I would say earplugs are important. I feel like there's got to be something better though. I always travel with a really large scarf And this is huge for women and honestly, men, non-conforming, whatever you want. So they're great blankets, whether you're cold in a Airbnb, hotel, hostel, airplane. And then if you need a cover up because you're in a religious, sacred place, you're in a temple, a church, where have you, you can cover up with the scarf as well, which is really nice. If it's raining, you can put it over your head. You name it. There's a lot of uses. So scarves are important.
0: Scarf is my thing I can't travel without. That's always like I am, I am always wrapped in a scarf for all of those reasons.
1: <laughs> Such right? A... It's, it's so right. versatile. Yeah. And um, I, I usually bring a big one. So if I'm going to like a tropical place with a beach, I'll lay it out as like my mm. beach towel as well. Yeah,
0: awesome. To shake it off before you put on your bed. That's a lot. Probably a good plan. <laughs> all right. If you haven't already said them all, a travel
1: hack that you would use, maybe okay. for like flying. Definitely not said at all. Let's go. Okay. So always track your flights before you purchase. I'm talking, you need at least two to four weeks of tracking your flights on Google flights. You can set it up pretty easily. You put in where you want to go to roughly what dates you can put in like a general plus or minus seven days as well. And kind of watch what the prices are doing because prices fluctuate. A lot of people think that the best time to book is Thursdays at 8 a.m. That's a lie. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's been a myth truly since the 70s. Historically, in the pre-internet age, that was when flights were posted. So yes, it would be the cheapest. Mm. But that hasn't been the case for 40 years. So don't be ridiculous. You can tell I'm passionate about this. I hear it way too often. People I had no like, idea hey, that was why. Everything. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I would say think logically when you're booking the flights. When do business travelers fly? Don't fly then. Oh, that's a good point because they'll be more expensive. They'll be more expensive because they can pay more money for it because they don't have to think. Oh, what's the cost of this? Mm-hmm. My employer is going to pay for it anyway. It doesn't matter. So obviously the airline's going to charge more because they can. Right. So don't fly when business travelers are flying. Be comfortable with taking ground transportation. So for example, and not just ground transportation, but take flights from where you go as well. I was able to go to Oktoberfest, peak Oktoberfest season in Munich because I decided to fly into Brussels and from Brussels, I could catch a super cheap flight to Munich for the partying and debauchery because I was like, you know, it's cheaper for me to get there through Brussels. Yeah. And that's easy. And from Munich, I was able to take a train to Prague. And from Prague, I took a flight to Budapest. You know, you can get around really easily once there. Yeah. Don't stay focused. You're like, let it happen. Be flexible. Oh, what else? What else? Clearly, I get excited about this kind of thing. I, I love um, it. This, 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 this. <laughs> I am always looking for a way to save a penny. So I often go to grocery stores and pick up like sandwich making supplies to help cut down a meal. When I travel, because it is more long-term, I am max looking to buy one meal a day, max. Ideally, zero. Because you got to make it sustainable. Right. What else? What else? Okay. Ask people on the ground what to do. I do typically research a ton of restaurants, things to do, places to see ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And that is only because I enjoy doing it. I think too often people go to a location and they've planned it all out. And then they get sad because they haven't been able to do what they're wanting to do. Have a plan, but don't follow it. Yeah. Be comfortable with breaking plans and seeing something new. And like, maybe you get there and something's completely off your radar, but it's worth seeing. And that's okay.
0: how do you feel about like when I travel, I like to have a day where I, plan absolutely nothing. It's an empty day. And then if nothing comes up, I have a day of, you know, sitting in coffee shops and reading and walking around. And if something does come up, I have a place to put it like a, oh, I'm free on Tuesday. Do you ever do that? Do you build gaps in your schedule or do you tend
1: to, I don't really build a schedule. However, I do really think that's a beautiful way to approach it. I think including empty space when traveling is important. Mm -hmm. Because if you really want to get to know a culture, it's really important to sit still. Yeah. You're not going to understand the inner workings of an Italian mind if you're in Rome and you're just seeing the important tourist spots. Yeah. You can't. And you may get bits and pieces. You may have a wonderful trip, but you're not going to understand why do the Romans eat at this time and where do they prefer to go? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Do as the
1: Romans do is actually the (laughs) saying. And
0: one last question for you. So what is your absolute favorite thing about working for yourself?
1: Definitely the freedom. I would say sans pandemic time, it was a little easier and you could do more with the freedom. Mm -hmm. However, the sense of pride that comes with building something on your own, and the humility that comes with asking others for help, which is so important, yeah, are really
0: important things to learn. Yeah, awesome. This is yeah. great. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to follow you?
1: Absolutely, you can find me on my Instagram at Campbell Hawk, Campbell like the soup, Hawk like the bird, <laughs> and that's where most of my information is. I do have a Twitter. And that's Lil Cam Cam, Lil with a one instead of an I. All right, awesome. That's me.
0: Thank you so much. This has been awesome.
1: It was so lovely talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: A big thank you to Campbell for coming and talking to me today. I am always interested in hearing about budget travel hacks because travel is absolutely not something that is reserved for people. With lots of money, you can do this on a budget. You just have to be a lot more careful, a lot more specific. So that was a fabulous conversation. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys. What are your favorite travel hacks for budgeting? You can share those in the comments on this episode or head over to Instagram and find us at Traveling Entrepreneur Pod and leave the budget hacks there. See you next time. Yay!